Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. I love your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. So, um, it's post-radiothon. The first thing we really need to do is make an acknowledgement and thank all you beautiful human beings out there. The humans, the boys, the girls, the men, the women, the hers, the others, the pets that have subscribed, the businesses that have subscribed, the listeners, the subscribers, the supporters... Um, the people that have a stake in this station, thank you for your continuing support. We might have a few. You've got, um, you can still still subscribe, and none at the moment. But uh, if you do, we will certainly read out your things today. So on today's show, uh, someone who's a great supporter of the station, uh, and very very happy to check in with him, Dan Hunter, uh, part of the team, Dan and Jules uh, Hunter down at Bray. In Birigawa, our most successful regional restaurant, Three Hats in the Regions. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan just got a, a uh, an accolade from Gourmet. Wow. Been made an icon. <laughs> hey. 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 In your lifetime. You're Not- an icon, Cam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hereby anoint you. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, he's fading. Um, a fading to my con uh, creative spirit down there at Birigaran. So we're going to check in with. Um, well, it's it's close to ten years that he's been there. December will mark ten years wow. of uh, of Bray uh, taking over from George Byron at Sunny Bray a long time ago, and I'll be interested to find out what he's done to that property because he's been the custodian of that property now for ten years. And I know he's put in wheat 
He's put in a whole bunch of trees and native stuff. So anyway, we'll find out about then um, the the past, the present, the future of Bray, and uh, maybe some of those dishes that he's got on. There's one that sounds amazing, right? It's on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. It's a potato gem. Think potato gem with a couple bits of urchin on top of that. So think of the explosion of flavour mm. you got with that. Yeah. Tempered by... Serrano honey. So some honey and a little piece of a Serrano pepper on top. Wow. Oh. Well, hello. Oh. Oh. I want one now. <laughs> so anyway, I might talk to him a bit about that. Who came up with that dish? Whatever um, amazing things has he got going? Um, so we'll do that. Also, um, post-Rodeathon, check in with John at the market. We're going to do two market reports in a row because... Uh, we'll do this week, next week, and then John's going on a bit of a holiday. Wow. Wow. When was the last time that happened? I don't know. I don't know, but he probably needs it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he probably needs it. So, anyway, we did a market report with him, and I said really something really stupid. I think I said something about... I lost my mind there for a bit and said something about early season plums, and he looked at me <laughs> and he went... Yenonga. Anyway, you can listen for a great Cam makes a great mistake with produce at the beginning of Market Report. Yes, I realise that we aren't at the end of autumn. <laughs> I blame it on my sickness earlier in the year. And then checking in with uh, Duncan Buchanan, our wine scribe down there at uh, where is he now? He's at Estonia. He's one of the winemakers down there on the peninsula, and um, a very very traditional. Vineyard is Estonia, very much still looking towards France, it must be said. I think mainly with, um, what do they grow there? Pinot? Shardy. Where we, sorry, I missed the... Did you just zone out? I, I was <laughs> preparing for our, our, our <laughs> special still, guest there. <laughs> good. Um, I was talking about uh, Duncan. He's down there at Estonia, um, which is uh, down Mornington Peninsula. Uh-huh. Famous for their Pinots. Right. Uh, they also, if you're lucky enough, if you... They sometimes do um, a Method Champenois drop, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But you don't see it in the bottle shops much. And uh, the actual vineyard is next to... Oh, this really uptown place, diner. Oh, I have to ask... Um, can you remind me to ask Duncan? Noted. Thank you. Yes, there we go. Uh, so, anyway, it's wonderful that you're here. We're sort of meandering with our intro. Sorry about that. We'll get the blower on and go down the west coast to uh, Birigawa. What do you reckon? Sound good? Excellent idea. Come on. Come along for the ride, folks. Stick with us. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. I promised you Dan Hunter and I think we're going to deliver. Dan, are you there? Yeah, I'm there, Cam. How are you, mate? Hey, you're good. You're taking it easy on your Sunday? Yeah, it's been a pretty relaxing day so far. I was up nice and early and did the did the delivery to the rooms at, at Bray, did the croissants and the paper drop-off and then tidied up some ordering for the week and had two breakfasts and about eight coffees, so I'm looking pretty good now. Hey, zingy. Eight coffees. I can, <laughs> I can, I can probably only do about two and a half, three, and then I start shaking like a, like a leaf. 
First... I don't mind the shakes. I don't, I don't mind that, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I just think I'm going to die. And I, 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 as well as shakes, I also get anxiety, so uh, you, you wouldn't be happy with my Brunois chef because it'd be, be all over the place, I reckon. Best day off. But, oh, yeah, no, I couldn't do eight at work. On a Sunday, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, just, it's the vibrating Dan Hunter. Dan, first of all, um, thanks for taking our call. It's it's good to catch up with you because it has been a while. And yeah, it's been a while. I uh, know we've um, we've been through some. We've all been through some stuff, it seems. But I need to acknowledge, and I think the first and probably the most important thing is to just um, commemorate the fact that in December you will be you and Jules will be custodians of that property now for ten years. Yeah, it's, bloody um, hell! It's been it's been a it's been a journey, you know? <laughs> um, but mostly a very good one and fun one, and and I think uh, hopefully one that's got some legs in it, you know, got some legs in it still. So it's um, yeah, ten years in a restaurant. I don't know what what restaurant years equate to for the rest of humanity, but it's it's a long time, and certainly uh as an owner you know it's it's pretty gritty sometimes mm, um yeah. and just flick into the mix what we've all know about the last couple of years and what's happened in our industry and across the world in general but i mean look having said all of that we're we're looking forward to celebrating and and we do celebrate every day we do celebrate that we we run a good business and and people enjoy it well, it's almost like um, I remember uh, there was a movie in the, the 70s, might be a little bit before your time, it was called Papillon and it had Steve McQueen in it who was um, a prisoner really and he was sent to this devil's island but he was defiant in just the most terrible things and, he, and one of the things he kept doing was he'd sort of look up to the heavens and go, hey you bastards, I'm still here. <laughs> And um, yeah, we we almost have to be defiant in that. Now let's let's look back. You took over the property from George Byron. It was called Sunnybrae way back. And I'm I'm just wondering in in that ten years, what did you do to to the property um, in that ten years? And and what are you doing looking forward? Well, I think I mean it's it's a you know it's a twenty acre piece of land and. It was sort of it was a little bit larger when we when we did take over and um, we sort of subdivided a bit off and built some accommodation in a six or you know a sort of four acre section and yep. and we've left ten acres to to you know be a paddock where we've grown grain several times and used that for beers and bread and flowers and things like that. Yeah, you got um, this. Are you doing wheat this year? In that we we'd like to get some. I mean, it's been this weird. Weird season of, you know, uh, the hottest winter of all time, yet uh, still getting rain regularly a bit too much to actually get a bloody tractor in there and do the job. But, oh, no. Um, wow. yeah. But it's actually a tractor parked in the paddock at this moment where it's sort of done half the job. So we hope to get some in uh, a, a sort of quick-growing spring variety, which we'd harvest, you know, early next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just need a couple of weeks of of dry time just to be able to do that but yeah that's the intention this year and i mean look i think on the property you know when you when you when you own or you take care of land um it's always changing and it's always evolving regardless of what you do but we've certainly spent um the last decade really you know with a strong emphasis on on the property and on the health of the property Mm -hmm. and on the sort of agricultural value of the property um and not to mention you know at the forefront of all that 
constantly is the guest experience on the property. So making sure that there's been, you know, signage added and paths added so people can get around the property and have a look at what we're doing and obviously the accommodation and, and loads of loads and loads of um you know, indigenous trees and yeah. plants and things to create an ecosystem that assist the the organic, you know, food production that we have. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just just a total ongoing curation of a of a space to mm. to make something nice, a nice place to be, and a nice place to enjoy a restaurant experience, and a nice place to have an agricultural project that can sustain a, a restaurant business such as ours. Yeah, I, look, I remember one of the the highlights of um, a lunch I had there. God, it's a few footy seasons ago now, but it's a few back now, yeah. Yeah, no, but it's it's still pretty raw and and right at the front. But I remember the a dessert that came, which was just stone fruit that was from the garden, and it was still yeah. warm by the sun. And to experience that was, I mean, it's pretty, it's really simple stuff, but it's so profound. You know? Yeah, I guess you know, in in a in the context of a conversation, things like that can sound, you know, pretty simplistic. But eh, you but... take into take into account, you know, the moment, the experience you're having, the the sunshine that's on the fruit, and the the organic principles applied to producing that fruit. The intention behind producing uh, a product of that quality. It's sort of, you know, that's all the stuff we're interested in. So yeah, yeah I mean, and... having having. Having property to grow food is um, is integral to a, a business like ours. Yeah, and also c- contrast and compare that um, that reality, that 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 bite of the fruit in the mouth to um, shopping under the fluorescent lights of the supermarkets, where yeah, you will never get a peach that will taste like that because it's never had a chance to reach that potential of sugar no, and fruit. No, you know, fruit not. sugars. And I suppose you know, not to not to downgrade that either because when I mean, a lot of us do and a lot of people do that's their that's their option for for eating food you know but mm. you know i guess in in this in this environment we're trying to highlight the very very best versions of of what there is you know within nature and then hopefully bring that to a table in a way that's both interesting but also very delicious yeah well there's there's lots of deliciousness now accolades let's uh, get them out the way and uh, but we need to uh, to acknowledge and do a little bit of applaud. You're ready to get your, your clap on there, Kent. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, Gourmet has made you an icon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. All right, there's your applause. <laughs> hey! And we're standing. Rounds of applause. Hey! <laughs> nice, but well um, well deserved, yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a funny... It's, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very nice thing to, to receive. It's, um, that award was voted by... Um, the That's readership Pierre. Yes. Uh, no, I think it was. I think it was a, it was a readership. So. Oh, did I, mean, I say I Pierre? Just... No, sorry. I meant yeah, readership. That was a uh, from uh, from the punters out there. Yeah, I mean, hopefully a few of our peers are, are readers and did vote. But um, mm. you know, like I think, I think um, certainly at this point in the game, ten years down the track, and and having. Um, what in the scheme of things is really a, a quite a small restaurant you know we sort of max out at 28 30 guests in that yeah. dining room yep. and um for there to be uh such a response to to a readership vote where you know some other restaurants you have a lot of a lot more traffic than we have and i guess 
we take from that that you know our guests generally feel very passionate about the experiences that they've had at Bray and um, you know bother to vote and bother to to get on board with that inaugural award for for what is the icon award for Gourmet Traveller. So yeah, here it is. Yeah, it's I mean, the it's, um, uh, let me just give it the the right title so that we get it right. It is the Gourmet Traveller's Reader's Choice Icon yeah. Award. So yeah, that's uh, that's been awarded by people who. Um, have obviously felt that the experience is that profound that they would want to do that. So that's... Yeah, I guess they're the people that we're trying to, you know, we're trying to communicate most with, the, the people that do come to the restaurant and, and you know, make the, make the journey out and spend time with us and, you know, and repeat that. There's some people who have done that across 10 years, you know. We've had some guests that are up into the... The high teens are visiting in that time. Whoa, so, really? You know, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know um, that, I know that our, so, our co-producer here, Matt stedman has been there a couple of times, I think. I think Matt's been there several times as well. So, And, I mean, you know, I, I think you think about... Um, I don't know many... I, I mean, I personally haven't been to, to many restaurants multiple, multiple times of this nature. Um, mm. So I guess, I guess for us, you know, we, we take away that... We're doing something right there, and and sort of connecting with those people, and and the greater people to to want them to come back. So it's really it's really good. I was looking on your um, the Instagram. Um, the Instagram is strong with you, and uh, we saw this dish, and I was talking about it with Kent, and we were going, "Oh my god, I want to have that now." And I was talking about it with Jules as well uh, when yeah. I was speaking to her the other day. Uh, there's a dish that's on the menu now. It's a little potato gem with a couple little bits of uh, nodes of sea urchin wrapping around each other with a little bit of serrano honey on the top. And good yeah. God, that sounds good. Who came up with the inspiration for that? And, uh, and I was kind of curious, what do you pair that with? Well, the, I mean, I guess a lot of the, a lot of the dishes that we do serve um, are sort of multiple, you know, multiple dishes together. And I guess rather than sort of piling heaps and heaps of things on one plate and making something a bit cluttered at times, we do tend to, mm. you know, maybe plate a central dish and then build build around that concept um, some smaller one or two bite things that just really accompany well and, and you know, are delicious. And Tony Bourdain um, would have called that the ultimate Scooby snack. I think it's... it's it's very delicious, I've got to say, and I'm pretty proud of it. And mm. um, I did travel in Japan this year, and obviously, uh, you know, looking at looking yeah. at looking at looking at sea urchin a lot, and eating sea urchin, yes. and seeing things built on rice, um, which obviously we don't grow here, but mm. um, we do grow potatoes. And then trying to sort of replicate a little bit of the aesthetic and a little bit of um, you know that one two bite nature of, of handheld food. And, oh yeah. Um, so we came out with this little thing, and, and the potato gem is, is um, it is what's traditionally called a dauphine potato, which is... Oh, uh, dauphine, really? Yeah. So a mixture of pomme du chef and choux pastry chef? Yeah. So yeah. We've, we've sort of applied the word gem to that, because everyone loves potato gems, and it sort of works well with the guests. But um, it's, a, it's a dauphine potato, so it's a choux pastry with, with pure potato yeah. um, and then yes yeah, some really at this moment is uh, there's been a really incredible um, search and harvested out of Port Phillip Bay this season and so using those um, and then Serrano 
peppers from last season fermented mm. um, and then the liquid that comes off that poured into some of our honey that we grow. Oh, wow. Um, and that sort of drizzled all over. So it's very sweet, salty, delicious texture, potato. Everyone loves potato, fried potatoes. That's all um, <laughs> And that sits next to a dish of, um, of sort of some turnips, which have been cooked in a rainbow trout butter with anise myrtle infused into it and various various greens at any time. So might be bok choy, might be young garlic at this week. We serve it with young garlic. Um, and then, yeah, just next to that, for beverage, we might serve, if you're not drinking alcohol, a licorice root and toasted buckwheat tea, which has been infused with marigold. Wow. Um, or... On the white wine side of things, this sort of sits at the top of our menu. So it's early on. It's probably the first first one you might get up to something sparkling. And it's uh, currently a white wine from um, Sicily, from Mount Etna region. Um, and it's a mix of native grapes, Calicante being the main grape in there. So it's very saline, very mineral sort of. Ah, um, okay. Salty. Yeah, yeah. It works really well with both the trout and the fat and then the texture of the of the urchin. So, yeah. What a way things. to start things going. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I've got to, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a delicious little bite. And mm. it's been well received, which is nice. I'll, I'll, I'll bet it is. Um, are you hiring at the moment? Uh, look, I think if you own a hospitality business in 2023 <laughs> in the world, you're all... It's a Dorothy Dixer, isn't it? I'm giving you a Dorothy Dixer if you... Uh, anybody need to uh, send some resumes to you? Yeah, look, it, it's... I mean, the doors are always open for discussion, that's for sure. I don't okay. think we ever... We never... We're never not... I don't, I don't know of a, a hospitality business unless it's a, a one, two-person shop where... It's just not constant. You just—that's what you do. You hire. You're a, you're essentially a. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're you're a, you're, a, you're a multi business man. I mean, and, and people. I mean, it's incredible what you have to. All the superpowers you need to have to make a uh, well a restaurant in town work, but to make a, a regional place work in the way that you have. Uh, I I really don't know how the two of you do it. To be honest with you. Yeah, well, you've got to be. Um, <laughs> well, we're lucky that we, that Jules and I, you know, we're married, but we also work very well together, which is good. And we have Thank very God. specific yeah. specific roles in the business, and yes. we've never found we've never found that uh, a problem in any way. And I guess we we don't really have to have meetings. We just get it. We get on with it, you know. So that's we just discuss things at the relevant times and things get resolved, which is really good. Um, but we've always been surrounded and by really good people and I think if you don't have that in any business, but certainly in hospitality, people who have the same values, you know, that communicate the stories and, and do things in a way that you all respect of each other, you don't you don't have hospitality business. So we're lucky in that sense of um, as we get older um, and as we get more established and more clear on who we are, um, it's easier to communicate that with our team and our team probably have a better understanding of what their roles are and, and what they you know, how they contribute and, and what they do and that's really important, I think. It's hmm. so interesting. Another great chef around uh, your area managed to spend a bit of time with last week, Joe Barrett, down there at Little yeah. Picket. Uh, just has that ability. She just quietly says, hey, let's just push on. <laughs> and 
and you do. Um, in the last couple minutes, we're talking, um, and if there's anything you want to bring up, please do that I've missed. But um, I'm interested to, and this is a hard one to maybe think of, but the plans for the next 10 years, Dan? Look, I think um, we've got a very, very large event party slash, you know, afternoon outside picnic thing. In December? December. Yeah. With, with, to celebrate the 10th. And by that point, we will have achieved the 10 years and, and we can probably start thinking about the next 10. But, but certainly, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But certainly, but certainly um, you know, like, I don't know, it's been, it's been a really tricky time and mm. we've, we're always very clear at the start of um, opening this restaurant, what we want it to be. And I guess after 10 years, it's only starting to look like that. It's only, the property is only yeah. going to look like what an established property looks like. The business is only operating what an established business operates like. And, you know, we're getting the dining room the right size and the right size number of guests for the amount of food we can produce and all the things are sort of falling into place. So mm. um, the next 10, and we do plan to have another 10, I think. I think we've made that decision. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon wow. there's another 10 in it for sure. Good so, on you. Um, we better start planning the 20th, 20th anniversary party, won't <laughs> they? I, I hope I'm, <laughs> I hope I'm still around. God, you know, it, uh, it gets back to that, um, I don't know whether it's a, a Japanese or a Chinese proverb, you know, the best time to plant a tree. Kent's, well, Kent's yeah. going here 10 years ago. <laughs> and you did that 10 years ago, so... Well, that's... That's interesting because it really, I mean, it's it, it's true because if you look at, I mean, those guests who who have been here, and I mean, you would freak out if you came, like people do every season, but, you know, mm. if you've been to this property either when it was when it was owned by um, George. George and Di mm. or when it was early in our inception here when we first started planting out things how we, you know, thought we'd like them, um, you know, there's 30, 40-foot trees on this property now that we put in 10 years ago. There's established orchards. Yeah. There's this yeah. orchard of 80 trees, which is just phenomenal. And, and, you know, I guess we're not stopping that. So the, that sort of stuff will be further down the track. But it really is amazing to watch nature in large blocks of time. And I think seven to 10 years is when you get a real feel for um, for your work, for your efforts, you know. So, um we're sort of at that stage, so it's really, it's really, really beautiful at Bray at the moment, you know. And it's just, it's that curation, that that attention to to wanting to make change and have an impact, and then watch it evolve over time, and and then manage it forward, you know. Well, congratulations on ten years. Thank you so much to your ongoing support for this station and Triple oh, R. And. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I know that you're a great music lover and a lover of the station. I can see that you're a great lover of the music because of the music that's in the, the vinyl in the... Oh, I won't <laughs> take all the credit for that. Certainly Jules does. All and the Jules, too. Okay, well, you're but, great. Well, yeah. that gets back to... But I like listening to those records as well, for sure, you know. Good. Well, what a great couple you are. <laughs> um, huge hugs from us from uh, Melbourne. Uh, keep Thank on you, keeping on. And uh, at some stage, I'd love to um, have a chat with you in the not-too-distant future as to your thoughts as uh, uh, preparing the property for 
um, El Nino years because um, that's probably would be front of mind as well. So maybe we might yeah. talk about that at some stage. That'd be uh, yeah, that sounds good. Good. That sounds slightly depressing, but also good. well, it's just I suppose coming up square to reality and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, may the guests be many coming down that road to you. Um, and if people want to book, how do they do it? May as well. Website. That's, yeah. the, you know, braid.com, yeah. And certainly if people are interested in um, having, being at the, the 10th anniversary, which is going to be a phenomenal day, they can go to our wow. Instagram page and go to the link in the bio. Mm. Um and then, yeah, just get on down here. And you can see that urchin dish too. Dan, have a, Thanks, gr- have a great rest of the day and uh, careful of that coffee, buddy. You too. Thanks, mate. See ya. See ya. See ya. Bye. There he was, Dan Hunter from Bray. Um, he has been made the Gourmet Traveller's Reader's Choice Icon uh, of the year. So, and 10th birthday. And uh, and supporter of Three Triple R. It's twelve thirty here on Three Triple R. We'll be going to market pretty soon once Kent makes his decisions. <laughs> this is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website rrr.org.au. What a weekend! What a what a sort of a winter's revenge we could say uh, happened uh, over the weekend. John, a very very good morning to you. It was a bit uh, chilly, wasn't it? It was a very good morning to you. It wasn't just chilly; it was so windy and yeah. miserable. Yeah. And today, at least, not windy, but it, it's not. There's no sunshine. Normally, every time you come, even in the middle of winter, you crack it and I the bring sun's a little shine. Bit. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. So. Yeah. We'll take it as it comes. Apparently, we're going to get some beautiful weather uh, during the week. So um, I haven't even looked ahead. So well, you're talk- good. They're talking twenty something. Oh wow! Day. Okay, so here we go. The uh, so we're getting into real springtime. I saw something that just sort of sets that we're in the middle of uh, of seasons. I saw blood plums. You know, the autumn, the, the, the very last of the plums. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> now, next two. No, but next to the, um, what was it, the very, very first of figs. And yeah. they were $99 a kilo. Yeah. Figs, okay, they, they've um, planted them all from New South Wales, Queensland. and I was going to say, these are from Northern Territory yeah, or something. Yeah. And, and the other top half, the other end of Australia. But mm. I, I uh, hate to disappoint you, I'm pretty sure that the plums you saw would have been American. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, so... Um, if you decide to eat them, uh, that's your problem. Hey, what am I talking about? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I obviously but, need more coffee. Well, no, but see, years ago they planted musket, muscatel grapes on the left-hand side of Arnhem Land, and they landed in the middle of July. And, oh, okay. and they were beautiful. Because we didn't send them enough money, I think they pulled them out and planted something else. Oh, okay. So, you know, it is possible. Yeah. And it's just a matter of getting the right return for the for the work that you've done. Um, so, you know, they stopped. So the fruit, there's a myriad of fruit out there. Try to buy Australian if you can. We've got six million uh, varieties of mandarins and oranges and blood oranges out there. So get out there and have a look. Uh, we've been enjoying the fennel salad. 
Uh, you didn't bring one out for show and tell. I thought you might have. I've got brought a fennel. Yeah, we've got the beautiful. I've, I've got the um, thing that goes beautifully with it, though yeah, the, yeah. the the the, uh, the Cara orange. Right. We've got the beautiful female, nice round voluptuous yes. uh, fennel that, that's now right for this season. Uh, we've been using golden nugget mandarin. It mm. works with blood orange. It works with a Cara Cara orange, which is a pink navel. Can I ask a question here, John? When you do um, uh, a salad like that. You take the fennel and you, you slice it pretty finely. Yes. Um, is it just, it's just served raw, yeah? Yes, yeah, served raw. Very simple. Salt. Salt. Olive oil. Yeah. Good olive oil. And the orange and the fennel will shine because they'll combine together. And then you get the beautiful, thick, crusty bread and you stick it into that juice down the bottom of the pot or plate, should I say. Yeah. And sometimes it's a fight for even that. That that last little bit. And I was going to say, maybe a little bit of parsley on top is good too. Yeah, yeah, it's good. There are no rules, but we like to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you don't need to cook the fennel beforehand? No, definitely not. But there are a lot, a lot of ways you can cook fennel. Mm. Um, You know, you can bake it with your potato. You can throw it into a soup. You can slice it finely and layer it in a pan. Um, uh, You know, do fennel, onion, breadcrumbs, fennel... A little bit of tomato, more breadcrumbs, uh, a lot of olive oil. Shove it in the oven. Not too long. You don't have to cook it too long. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful serve beside any meal. That sounds great. Yes, it is. That sounds really good. And um, I, yeah, I love the idea of braising fennel, where you uh, you slice in sort of these. um, It's like if you if you cut an orange into into segments, you know, wedges. Yeah. Yes. And then you fry those pretty hard, so they brown, and then you can cover them with a little bit of stock, veggie stock, chicken stock, beef stock, whatever you want, and then cheese on top and breadcrumbs and gratinate that. Yeah, that that's, sounds good. That's yes. good, that's yeah. good. And then you can go um, all funky and crazy, and you could use, uh, when you do that, do vanilla sugar, a little bit of vanilla sugar when you're doing that first um, to fry, and then you can add um, bal- the agrodolce bit of balsamic vinegar in with your thing. That's nice. Isn't it amazing how it does work, even though you, you've got uh, the strong and the sweet? Yes. And, and the very intense flavours mingled together, and it comes up a treat. They all mellow out, and it's good. God, we should just... Let's forget this, John. Let's just go home. We'll just cook up some food, eh? <laughs> yeah, maybe right, we should. <laughs> yes. So, right. Anyway, what else we got here? I'm show and tell. You've got these tiny little cucumbers. I oh, had one already. I didn't see it. I brought yeah. another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we've been buying uh, the normal Lebanese cucumbers, mm. and then we've been buying the mm. curly ones. And yes. what they are is that they go through the glass house and they see this one's not growing straight, so no use leaving it there. They pick it. Yeah. Instead of throwing it away, they put it in a box and they send it to us now. Some can be the size of your index finger, mm. and we've got some that are like a snake. They they yeah. were two or three centimetres in diameter and about 30 centimetres long, but Whoa. still very, very tender. Uh, it's a shame to waste them. So and, and crisp. And crisp. There's yeah. very little seed in them. Mm. There's no moisture in them because they haven't been pumped with water, and uh, we make a beautiful salad out of them. Be good for pickling too. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've also got uh, this is a, a really, really lovely. This is a good bargain, actually. I reckon you should come down and grab some of these um, little bundles of. Um, well, we wouldn't call them firsts, would we? They're sort of no. little, little seconds in in um, asparagus, but these are pretty little fingers here. Well, you can see that the ends are jagged. What's happened is that it's been windy, and these are from Mildura. Mm. 
the Kui Rup ones are just starting. Um, but we've been running with these. These they call them tips because the wind's blowing them over and they've snapped, and and uh, wow. they've, they've rescued them and put them in a box, and and we're looking after them. Last week we were putting 250 grams in a bunch for five dollars. Mm. We put 350 this week. Next so, week, who knows? So these we have been put a bit more. These are rescued, yeah. rescued asparagus. Yeah, yeah. And even sometimes because they're just so tender, mm. when they're sorting them on the table, they may snap. Mm. So you know you, you don't want to waste these beautiful tips because you cut the bottom off, and you know brush them with oil straight under the gorilla, or into an omelette. Done. It's over a dozen here, I reckon, and oh, that's five more. bucks. It's probably about 15, yeah. 16. Yeah, anyway, that's good. Um, all right, uh, moving right along, um, there's still great... Oh, artichokes. Artichokes are rocking at the moment. Oh, Good God. Yeah, this one, um, it's bigger than a cricket ball, bigger mm. and heavy, and the stem's um, nearly three centimetres across, and when you peel that back, there's a lot of flesh in the stem. This is a great... Good eating. Yeah, this is a green variety, I think probably an American variety that, that they're growing here. Yeah. Um, it, it's solid. Um, it looks beautiful. It's had a little bit of frost, so it's a little bit... Um, looks a little bit tight on the outside, but yeah. a big heart, very big heart, base in the bottom. No fur or choke, whatever you want Whoa, to call it. Really? Um, so these, if you can open them up, open them up and stuff them. If not, cut them into four or six and steam them and then Make your vinaigrette or um, butter sauce and go for it. Yeah, or, or just chuck them in some boiling water, yeah. acidulated, always when you're having um, with a artichoke, a little bit of lemon juice or vinegar, um, and 20 minutes, you're done. And then we've got this purple one here too. Yeah, this is what we call a modern artichoke. It's probably a cross between modern. two or three. Yeah, because... Usually you call them bastardos. Yeah, well, yeah, I haven't had coffee yet, so, you know... Uh, uh, I'm being kind. Um, this is um, just, yeah, it, it's um, like a, a, a nice orange, not too big, not too small. Mm. It's got a thinner stem, uh, more of a purpley magenta hue. Yeah, it's sort more of burgundy nutty flavour. It's not a um, Spinoza, mm. but it's got a little bit of a, a, a nutty flavour. These would be lovely to open up and stuff or even just steam them very, very quick. I don't think these would even take 20 minutes. No. Um, right. I took some... We didn't have any real baby ones this week, but last week I took the last eight or nine mm. home and uh, Franca stuffed them again with just simple breadcrumbs and parsley. It was gorgeous because the hearts were soft, the outer leaves were soft, the stuffing was beautiful. Yeah. Good olive oil and good garlic too, plenty of garlic. Oh, and wow. I noticed you bought garlic. So we'll talk about that because this is a matter of contention at the yes. moment. Mm. This came out of Mexico. Aha. We had Peruvian and South um, Patagonian. Mm. There's no Australian garlic yet. Don't let anyone tell you that. It may just be starting up in North Queensland, but not down here. A mm-hmm. couple of weeks, maybe. But at the moment, we'll put up with the imported stuff. This is fairly pure. Uh, it's not full of chemicals like a lot of people think. It's not white. That white variety is just white. It's not bleached. It's no good. This got a purple hue. It's got little magenta streaks yeah. in it. Yeah. Nice big pieces. It's not astringent. When you eat it, you're not going to burn your tongue. You're not going to smell the garlic for the next wow. three days. And that goes everywhere. You know, we're getting to the stage that doesn't matter if you're Australian or European or what. No garlic, no tomatoes, no dinner. <laughs> you got to have garlic. Yeah. got to have garlic. So that's around. All right. Pick of the market. 
bigger the market. We've still got beautiful sweet corn coming out of Queensland. Um, it's going to be scarce over the next week or so, but there's still a lot around in the market today, so mm. get in and buy some. Definitely citrus. Peas and beans ran away. We had some beautiful um, hand-harvested beans. Again, we sold for $12. My customers keep saying, I keep them in a the fridge 10, 12 days. It's still as good as the day I bought them. I get them out, take, take, cook, up, cook up a storm with those. Yes. Everyone's happy. Cauliflowers are out there, prime broccoli, Brussels sprouts still out there too. Oh, good. Um, so you can do whatever you like. You can still cook winter or you can cook spring. Yeah. That's the beauty of Melbourne. We're still here. We're still here. Yeah. So get in there, have a look. There's six million avocados around as well. You probably have a look around and see a big, big stack there, Cam. Oh, my God. So, you know. Pallet. That's you, a pallet. Yeah, yeah. You, you can get um, wow. ugly ones cheap. Well, pretty ones, you pay a little bit more. The ugly ones eat just as good as the uh, pretty ones. You choose what you want. Like everything else, come and have a look. It's worth coming out today. It's not cold. It's not hot. Just right. It's just right. Pick the eyes out of the market. Come make your choices as you go around. And, uh, yeah, plums. Plums. They're from America, aren't they? Silly me. And peaches, too. If if you're prepared to eat that stuff, go for it, mate. You know, yeah. you do whatever you like. We, we can't tell you what to do, but, That's right. you know. We, we could only guide. That's Thank right. you, John. Coffee time. Have a lovely week. Let's do it. See ya. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. You've been listening to Eat It. Uh, we've just come back from market. We've had a chat with Dan Hunter. And uh, while we get, uh, we're about to go into thinking, drinking, but I thought before we do that, we should acknowledge a few people that have, uh, well, Put their money where their ears are. I want to thank Stuart Ferrier from Richmond, who's renewed. Uh, double bounce. We've got a message. What's the message say? Great hearing from Dan Hunter about that, uh, yeah, the icon that is Bray. Well, there you go. Thanks, okay. three triple R. Emma Cox from Park Orchard. She's new um, to Eat It. Jenny uh, Taylor from Doreen has renewed with a donation of $10. And she has a message. Thanks to everyone at Triple R. Special mention to John's Market Report, yes, and Andrew's soulful bits. Indeed it is. It's 12.44. Oh, that means we're going to give uh, Dunkey at least 15 minutes. That's kind of good. Uh, what do you reckon, Kent? Shall we run a bit of thinking drinking? Oh, he's coming. Oh, you ask so much. Just to uh, well, you know, we got to frame this properly on the on the radio. So uh, there it is. Oh, and Gina Grillo is renewed to breakfast. Thank you, Triple R, for the tunes, truth, talent, timelessness, and togetherness to honour of our sweet and terrible rosy cat. You weren't for everyone, but you were for us. Rest well. Oh my God. think we'll have to come back to that and acknowledge it properly sorry donkey before we get to you we should just mention that again um because that is uh we've put a who is a gina has put a thing for her cat and i know that when you lose a cat it's a it's a terrible and special day so here's to rosie the cat uh, you were for everyone but you were for us i know cats like that too rest well duncan First of all, a huge uh, accolades and cheers and applause to your son, the young Rocco, who was uh, scoring well for the Stingrays, I hear. Yes, he did. G'day, Cam. G'day, Cam. G'day, Liz. G'day, mate. Yes, 
my um yes, my darling son. He won his uh, basketball grand final yesterday. So he's been puffing his chest out and carrying on all day long, calling me small, all that sort of stuff. So, really? You know? Really? Kids running, around, kids running around being active is a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. Yeah, that's uh, that's good because it makes them sleep at night. It's like uh, tiring out border collies. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, and like, and I coach them for a lot of years, and it's also like trying to train kelpie pups. It's just not easy work at all. <laughs> kelpie, p- yes. Well, goodness me. So, um, um, we've got to you, Duncan, um, post radiothon, and uh, in uh, the springtime, is bud burst happened yet? Yeah, well, that's a bit of a curly question. There, I know. I thought I'd throw it in there early. Yeah, exactly. You, you lollipop them up, and I just bash them out of the park, mate. Go on, mate. Um, no, it's, a, it's been we've gone early. We, we have gone very early this year, which is, I mean, if unless you've been living under a rock or you're dead, you probably have, you probably will have heard that we have had the warmest winter on record globally. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay! Go team, yeah. humans. Yeah, exactly. Can burn stuff, but um. So anything that is um, deciduous will respond to the, the big temp, the big uh, influencing factor on whether they go dormant and when they when they burst out of uh, dormancy is temperature, typically soil temperature. So, so it is. It's a temperature thing. It's not the um, the shortening the the time of duration of sunlight that uh, is the trigger. Uh, no, they, they sort of run their race. Like they, Got it. You know, leaves will run their race and they'll just die off. But it, it is mm. very much a trigger, a trigger to soil temperature. From Got soil it. Temp. Yep. So if things don't get all that cold, um, they bounce out a lot quicker. And that's certainly what we've seen. Like we're almost, we're almost two weeks ahead of where we normally are, which is a long, that's a long time. You mm. know, because uh, yeah, once they start going... Uh, they just keep going. They can slow down a little bit if things go a bit cold, but it t- as you can imagine, it probably takes well, it takes a lot of energy to cool soil down again, especially if there's um, if the soils are wet, which they in a lot of places they are kind of wet at the moment. So you've got the combination of soil and moisture and water, and temp- water takes a lot of a lot of energy to heat up or cool down. So once they start warming up, once those vines start going, they just keep at it, you know, and it's um. It can present some challenges, you know. But culturally speaking, you sort of we might, you know, the things are a little bit wet at the moment, but we need to get out and put on some um, some organic sort of preventative sprays as we speak. But if your vineyard's really wet, you can't get your uh, tractor in there. And you we just the play from the start. Just talking to Dan Hunt, who's um, who's got a paddock and he wants to put some wheat in, but um, yeah. he said that um, yeah, it's just too wet. You can't get a tractor in, and that's yep. changing the type of wheat that he's probably going to have to put in there. He's going to have to put in some real fast-growing thing he just mentioned. So, yeah, yeah. That's... I, I, was, I was listening to you guys on the way through, and that's it's really interesting to hear him talk about that. The um, him having to, as a, more a general farmer, I suppose, because he mm. doesn't just deal with wine grapes. He's got, you know, like he's got a bunch of options up his sleeve. Well, but just, just, just having to roll with the punches. It's, um, he just, yeah, it's very switched on, Blake. And it's good to hear, you know, refer to himself as a custodian because you do need to look after that paddock. But unfortunately, you know, unfortunately for us, you know, we got, <laughs> we got one ingredient. That's wine grapes, and we, you know, we got to do that as good as good as we can out of those. Yeah, and just doing one thing. Well, I'm sure that George Byron, before he would have sold uh, the thing to Dan, said, you've got to say the C word, mate. Come on. 
and the seaweed as custodian. Um, because Ooh, you know, where you're going there, but yeah, glad thank you. Young, Brought it back, <laughs> landed it. There we go. Boom. Uh, years, custodian, years, custodian is uh, yeah, we've yeah. returned back to it because, um, but, yeah, as I said, that's probably the only way that George Byron would have allowed him to take over. So, yeah. bud burst has happened. It's happened early, and that uh, goes matches with a lot of talk that I've heard about people saying. The magnolia had blossomed early. Yep. The yeah, cherry yeah. blossom had come early. Um, yep. Yeah, a whole bunch yeah, of... That, look, yeah, it, that, that's, that's someone that we've, I think we've spoken about once or twice. It's sort of mm. the early indicator, of the harbinger, if you will, of um, bud burst. For, for me, there's the most yes. cherry blossoms at the, at the bottom end of South Road in Rosebud. And I know it's those oh. going early. Like, oh, out early and, you know, <laughs> I ride my bike up in the hills and the, a lot of the acacias are out early. There's just... And there's... Yeah, the birds are noisier. Yeah, just little things like that. You yeah. see, like the birds aren't normally this noisy at this time of year, but you know they're they're up and out early. So things are things are looking warm, and of course we're and they're noticed at, is is not, the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the um we we are going to be heavy into an El Nino. They haven't sort of um they haven't declared it yet, but the writing's on the wall. So oh, I thought they had. Bit, I thought they had been declared. Uh, no, that well, not I, I hadn't heard that very okay. well. But it's, it's all over. It's all over. Uh, all over. Bar the shouting, I think. Yeah. So we might be. It looks like we'll be heading into a warmer sea, a warmer um, spring. I mean, it, El Nino doesn't really normally affect uh, summer temperatures so much. Say on paper, that, that, that it might appear that it does, but it's normally those spring temperatures that it really affects. Oh, okay. So yeah. what it, what it can do for what it will do for us as grape growers is. Can accelerate every step of development along the way and reduce so, yeah. rainfall as well. That's another thing, isn't it? Uh, can do, can yes. do. I mean, we, we need it will re- reduce rainfall, but we, you know, a lot of it, most of our vineyards we can irrigate, and, and most people, most people can as well. Um, but the point being, once you everything sort of brought forward a little bit further, you'll end up with um, you might end up with fruit on the vine ripening in late, you know, mid late February. Mm. Um, which for the varieties we grow, they don't really like it that much. We like, you know, mm. pinots and chards, as we sort of spoken about before. They like, they like, um, they like autumn. They like to hang on the hang on the grapevine during autumn and just you know, have those more slightly kinder temperatures. So oh, you know, can, can can interrupt your flavour profile um, a little bit if you've got a ripening in February. So you know, we we want the brakes put on put on these things a little bit, but and that yeah. brings us, Duncan. Butchinen, Buchanan, yeah. to the whole notion of, um, well, what Max Allen is, is talking about uh, with yeah. that new book of his called Altered Realities uh, about the the new varieties that probably need to be thought about and will need to be put in in the medium and long term for this industry. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question because you've got this. We've at Estonia, we um, we've got a bunch of vineyards in the ground that are forty plus years old. Which, you know, it sounds pretty bloody straightforward, but you can't plant old vines. You have to put them in the ground and just wait for a long time. You know? It's back and, to uh, that Japanese saying about best time to plant a vine forty years ago. <laughs> yeah, second yeah. best time is now. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, so and we've sort of you know we sort of 
proudly waving our hands as we we are just going to produce the best Pinot Chardonnay possible, and we've got the we've got ah, all the ingredients yes. there. We've got yeah, we've got awesome vineyards, mm. and um, they're old. We they, we're giving them a lot of a, a huge amount of love out in the out in the paddock at the oh, moment. Oh yeah, so so great to see because that's you know. Again, we've got one ingredient, wine grapes. So yeah, you've got sure these, they're... you've got these grapevines. But ultimately, and in the medium again and long term, it would appear that Mother Nature will not cooperate with these vines. Potentially, potentially. It would on the I'm, 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 you know, maybe I'm being provocative here, and I am. No, and a bit of a peek behind the curtain for listeners. We squared this. We squared this argument up about two hours ago during the pre, the pre chat chat. Yes, but that's, but that's. A, it is a very good point. But I think if you are, some regions are a little bit harsher than others, shall we say? Yeah, Lang, so, Langhorn think, Creek, for instance, is a exactly, fairly exactly. hot place. Always exactly. has been. Compared to say um, uh, Tasmania or or the Mornington Peninsula, with with its ameliorating effect of its maritime climate. Exactly, that, that's exactly the point I was going to bring up. So I think some are more at the elements, uh, the mercy of mm. the, the climate change, um, and you know, those temperatures heading north. But we do have those. Yeah, we do have the moderating effects, and you have places like. Oh, Macedon's fairly elevated, so they mm. can be a little bit a little bit shielded. But I think Cobar people, Ridge, the most elevated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. cold as a witch is something. Yeah, rather. something rather. Um, yeah, but uh, there, you know there are there are things that we can do. But I certainly think if you're uh, the beauty of the Australian wine industry is we can plant whatever we want wherever we want. We are not governed by any rules to say you must plant Pinot Chardonnay here, you must do this, you must do this. So we can no, no appellations, no DOCs getting in the way of that sort of stuff. No, we can do whatever we we want, yeah. and we're really blessed with that. So we can roll with the punches a little bit, but then that's counteracted by the fact that you know regions make their name. Uh, attached yeah. to per- certain varieties, so yeah. you know, we do we do Pinot and Chardonnay. We do it bloody well. I'll, I'll be straight with that. Mm. But if we all of a sudden said, "Hey, why don't we have a crack at some Saparabi or you know, what the, you know, I, I, my <laughs> evil overlords would shoot me in the face and laugh <laughs> while they're doing it. Shotgun, <laughs> put down that, put down that axe, Eugene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because it's, it's not something that, <laughs> that, although I've said it a million times, if people can't pronounce something, they're not all that likely to want to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. You know, people, people are fairly uh, fickle with what they put in their mouth. Well, that was double entendre here. That was the and, big. Um, th- yes, thank you. But uh, that, but that was the big thing. Like Viognier was, you know, there was that whole thing of how to say Viognier properly. Oh man! If I had a dollar for everyone who heard someone say Viognier, yeah, Viognier, dude. But there, but there was Yolanda had that big push. Remember those buttons yeah. getting around everywhere yeah. had V on Yay on the V side. on Yay, yeah. And it was like, oh god, I think they've gone a little bit too far on the other side there, really. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Yeah, they're true. But I yeah. think that's and this is a difficult thing. If you want to adapt, um, maybe you can uh, if you're planting uh, in a region that is known for a specific variety, you could potentially. Put it on a rootstock that delays bud birth for you. There's ways around it that you can mm. stick with your same varieties okay. that your area might be known for. Well, you know, not reinventing the wheel because you know you need to. I was all willing to, to you know be a trailblazer and all that. And I do take my hat off to people who are trailblazers and go, screw it, I'm just going to put this in the ground and see what happens. Mm. But at the end of the day, you've got to pay the bill. Yeah. And yeah. If, you know. Well, you've got to um, you've got to be either um, incredibly 
crazy or you know or or you got to be one of the really huge places with deep 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 pockets and yeah. and parcels of land where you can trial things i suppose exactly and uh, again i take my hat my hat off to anybody who does that you know the, yeah. you know, the, the um the pioneers of any region have just gone oh let's just see and they don't know what's going to happen for you know, they won't get any fruit for at least three or four years yeah I don't know whether the wines are any good, how the market's going to accept it, because, you know, as we say a million times, mate, the ground grabs are making wine, piece of cake. Trying to sell the stuff, that's where it gets interesting. That's the you thing, know. that's it, yes. Got a shed full of wine, that's, uh, yeah, good on you, and good luck. You know, yeah, exactly it's, right. It's, it's the getting uh, rid of it. But that's me, I, 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 but I love the, getting back to what I was saying before, we can plant whatever we want, wherever we want, so we are able to adapt if need be. And it's a bit, mm. It takes a couple of trailblazers, as Max was talking about a couple of weeks ago, take some trailblazers and go, well, I wonder what this is going to do, and just to see how it works. Yeah, well, and, um, and also, I don't know, are you going to go to that, uh, that dinner that he's got on at the Kelvin Club? No, I don't think I will be. I tried to get, but uh, no, the um, factors were external factors were colluding against Cameron. Insert yeah. children into that. Oh, can't you get Rocco to you know just keep doing the, the keep doing the victory laps till I come home? <laughs> just keep running around the house, son. Um, he's flexing in my face and giving me chest pumps. It's oh lord, he's well, thirty kilos. All right, well, I, well, I've already. You know, I've already congratulated him once. Uh, congratulations to you, Duncan, on just being a, a bloody great human and always great to chat with. No, I was on a quick, quick, uh, quick um, apology. I haven't subscribed yet, but I will. Better be so quick. All listeners out there, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. We need you to subscribe. Thank you. That's really okay. good. And uh, we've got um, about forty-five seconds. I'll say thanks again, Duncan. Look forward Glad to. Love you. Look forward to chatting soon. Kent Goldsworthy. <laughs> Yes, Cam Smith. Got you, Rock. Thank you so much for uh, your your help today. Oh, you're very welcome. I've enjoyed it immensely. And thank you, listeners. A couple of great guests. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 